Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. You realize that's how simple the kingdom of God is. We just got to do our part. We got to get out there and say, hey, come and see. Come and hear about this guy. Come and, come and let me tell you about what I know. You might not know every scripture in that Bible. You might not know every theology point that somebody might ask you. But what you know is what he did for you. We hope you find this message encouraging. The title of this series, kind of the title for our vision statement for the first of the years, Making the Connection. And I think the Lord is so all about that. I think that's, that's ultimately what this Bible comes down to, is the Lord making a connection with us, us making a connection with Him. He wants us to connect with one another, as well as go out into this world and let our light shine and make a connection that leads somebody to Him. Our vision statement for this year, again, as I, I said, the, the Lord gave it to me, and it's one of those things He just brought to my mind. Habakkuk was the prophet, and he, the Lord told him, said, write it down, make it simple enough that somebody running by could read it and understand it. So our vision statement for this year is to know him, to love him, and to make him known. If we'll carry out that mission, guess what? Everything else is going to fall into place. To know him, to love him, to make him known. Uh, we, we've talked about our values and how we're going to express that. But in making the connection, we're, we're taking an acrostic of connecting and we're filling in the blanks, uh, and, and we started last week with us communicating the word, and I kind of, it kind of took a life of its own, I only got one point last week and didn't even get all that covered, but ultimately it comes down to this, you and I are the connection, you and I are the relevance, as I shared with you, one of the things that we're running into in this day and time, and it's unique to any period in the last 150 years is that ultimately most people in this day and time that used to would have had a church affiliation, a church connection. It, uh, it might have only been, as I shared with the, the CEOs, that's Christmas and Easter only people. You know, if they had a funeral, if they had a wedding, if it was Christmas, if it was Easter, they would say, that's my church. Fill in the blank. This church, that church, this Baptist church, Methodist church, all that kind of stuff. Several years ago, the denominational connection started going away. What used to would have been, uh, I go to this particular denomination or this branch in the Christian family tree because that's what my parents did, that's what my grandparents were, and that's what I'll be to the day I die. That kind of began to go away, and it was that people went to places that met their needs. By and large, now, what, 20 years ago, would have been about 90 percentile would have claimed a church affiliation that's now, overall, in the U.S., is down to about 25 percent. So it's fallen that great amount just in the last few years. And uh, it, it's pervasive everywhere. We, here in the South, uh, are a little bit isolated and insulated from that because we live not only in the Bible Belt, but we live right in the big, shiny buckle of the Bible Belt. And so it, it's just beginning to kind of affect here. But by and large, people don't have that affiliation. They don't have that. And most of the reason that they say so is it is irrelevant. And as I shared last week, you and I are the relevance. Uh, most people would say the Word of God has no relevance in my life. 
but we are the relevance. If we know the Word of God and we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and we take that out with us, then guess what? Jesus never, you know, sometimes I think we get this, this strange idea of what Jesus really did. What Jesus really did was every group of people that he encountered, he talked to them in a different way about the kingdom of God. You think about it. For the very agrarian society that was pervasive at that time, agrarian means agricultural, and uh, you think about it. How many times did he say the kingdom of God is like a seed? The kingdom of God is like a farmer that went to sow seed. The kingdom of God is like a, a, a farm, a field, and, and all the different ways that he could talk about that. When he was talking to fishermen, he talked to him about fishing. When he was talking to a farmer, he talked to him about farming. And so ultimately, it comes down to us, and I have shared with you, there are so many different ways to witness, so many different ways to talk about our faith. Ultimately, I have not found the in-your-face, turn-or-burn-you-worm kind of presentation doesn't work for me. Okay, it never has. We used to and there was a church that I was a part of, a certain denomination. Some of you might re even recognize it. But they had what they called a SWAT team. And you would just cold call on people. I mean, you'd just go knock on their door. That doesn't work these days. You will get shot. Okay? If you go just in the, in the, in the middle of the evening knocking on everybody's door and they're not expecting you. But they had this, it was a soul-winning action team was what SWAT stood for. And it was that... Knock on their door, catch them off guard, get in there and get, just get all up in their face. I, it never worked for me. What worked for me was relationship. And you've heard me talk about it before. If you can get someone talking about what turns their crank. If you know somebody loves fishing, guess what? I'll talk fishing with you. If you know somebody loves golf, just so happens... I do know a thing or two about that. Uh, if it's hunting, shooting, sowing. Yes, I know enough about sowing to talk to somebody about sowing. I've told you before, if, they, if, if underwater basket weaving catches on as a hobby, I'm going to take a class in underwater basket weaving so that I can talk to somebody who's all about underwater basket weaving. I don't think that's going to be the new hobby that catches on. But ultimately, it comes down to if we can make a connection with someone. And ultimately, it comes down to this. Somewhere, somehow, somewhere, it might not be the first time you talk to them. It might not even be the tenth time you talk to them. You're going to get the opportunity to go out and tell them, I know that's really important to you especially. I know that underwater basket weaving is, is what you are all about. You spend all your extra money on underwater basket weaving. You spend all your extra time underwater basket weaving. You've done underwater basket weaving till your fingers look like prunes. Because it's underwater. And that's really important. But I guess the most important thing we could ever know is that if we were to die today, that we would know that heaven would be our home. I don't care what you do. I don't care what their hobby is. They can be all about something that you might not even know a thing about. All you have to do is get them talking about it. I have shared with, uh, I don't know if I've ever shared it on a Sunday, but I have shared on Wednesday 
a couple of times. There was this one fella in one church that I was in. No, I wasn't the pastor. I was just a concerned heavenly citizen wanting other people to go to heaven. And there was this one older man that nobody could ever seem to get an end with. And one day I just kind of felt like the Lord prompted me and I went and talked to this old fella. And whenever I pulled up in his driveway, I noticed that his carport, where his car or truck should have been, was an old uh, Jubilee Ford tractor. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Red belly, but it was, you know, they had one certain year as a Jubilee. It was a 50-year edition. And where his car or truck should have been under his carport was this old Ford tractor. And the only thing I said to the guy was, man. That is one sharp tractor. For the next 15 minutes, all I had to do was nod, say, "Mm mm-hmm. And I knew a little bit about tractors, so I could throw in every now and then. But ultimately, that is what led that fellow to the Lord. Communicating the word is not quoting a bunch of scriptures. Communicating the word is communicating the love of God in whatever circumstance. To a farmer, it might be relating it to a seed. To a fisherman, it might be relating it to fishing. To somebody that that loves a tractor, it might be getting them started about what turns their crank and is in their heart anyway and bringing it around. So ultimately, it comes down to this. It is up to us to be the relevance, to make the, the connection and communicate the word of God. So that wasn't review. That was just last week point and i didn't get finished so the o is opening the doors of fellowship i think for far too long the church separated itself set itself high on a hill we're going to be a, a city set on a hill and nobody else can get in they did that in an effort to be different from the world but guess what they shut themselves out off from everybody and they were just like the world And what ultimately it did was tell the world, you're not welcome here. It told people that we're far from God, there's no way you can achieve what we've got. We're way up here and you're way down there and there's no way that you'll ever do that. See, here's the thing. Jesus said the kingdom of God was open to anybody that would believe. Okay? Whosoever would believe on his son would have eternal life. How long does it take to get saved? Merle got it. Split second. A split second. God, I'm a sinner. Would you please forgive my sins? I know that I've sinned against you. Would you come into my heart? Would you live there? Would you you save me? Would you deliver me? Would you be my God? And guess what? You're there. So, bada boom, bada bing, you have become a citizen of heaven. And I've been a part of churches in the past that had to join the church a year-long membership class that you had to attend. Now, if it's split second, that easy to become a member of the kingdom of heaven, how on earth do we justify making it a year-long class before you can join a church? Amen? That's always been one of my big things. That's the reason why we, I mean, we make it a big production here. Those of you that have joined, you know, it's a big production. I mean, all you do uh, every Sunday, I'm telling you, we're for you. 
and the only thing membership is saying you're for us and that this is where you want to call your church home. Amen? There's a little membership form out there on the counter, and you take that and actually put your name and address on it. And guess what? You have joined the church. Amen? There's no year-long class. There's no anything. That's the reason I have... Folks, I've gone to churches and preached there that I couldn't take communion with them. We practice open communion, and those of you that have heard me announce that every time we have communion, it just kind of rolls off of you. But it means something. Because there's a lot of our branches in our family tree that don't practice open communion. What they practice is closed communion. And you have to be a member of that body of believers before you are welcome to participate in communion. How far is that from the kingdom of God? I mean, ultimately, it comes down to this. If you're a born-again believer, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you have asked him to forgive your sins and have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You are my brother or my sister. Amen? And how could I ever come up with anything to justify saying, no, you can't take communion with us? Oh, my goodness. So opening the doors of fellowship is basically accepting the fact that, hey, there's some things, there are some branches in our family tree. I don't understand their traditions. I don't understand exactly why they do what they do. But guess what? If they have Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, they're my brother or they're my sister. Even if I'm not welcome to participate in communion in their church, if they come here, I'm going to invite them to partake in communion here. Amen? Why? Because that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And how could we as, as people... See, that's what happened through the years. After Jesus, whenever Jesus was here, and, you, and you'd see the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those people, it was that they ultimately had left so far away from what God had intended a relationship with him to be. And they made all these rules. There were, there were some rules that God set forth. Uh, if I remember right, it's about 10 of them. Amen? And there were a few extenuating circumstances. If you read through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, all that kind of stuff, there's some things that you needed to know. But ultimately what happened was that the the Pharisees and the Sadducees had added to the law to the point that it was almost impossible to be able to keep the law. They had added thousands, not just a few, thousands, tens of thousands of little things that you had to do this and you had to do that and you can't do this and you can't do that or you can't be considered to be a part of the congregation. And so ultimately, whenever Jesus is here, they said, kind of tongue-in-cheek, they're trying to set him up. Oh, Master, what is the most important commandment of all the thousands and thousands and thousands of commandments that we have added to the law? What's the most important? And Jesus said, I'm going to make this really simple. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
In this hangs all the law and the prophets. Oh, that'd just be too easy, Jesus. We'd have all kinds of people in the kingdom. And that's why Jesus said, all these other people, all these people that you're calling a sinner will get to heaven way before you will. And so what we've got to do is realize that the kingdom of heaven is open. There is an open door. And the only thing it requires of us to do is believe. Whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? So to me it changes our whole perspective. Instead of having something that we've got to protect and so therefore we've got to lock the gates and shut the doors and we can only let a few select people in and they've got to go through a year of membership class so we'll really know who they are. Amen. It's like, hey, come on. This is some good stuff and you need it. Amen. It changes our whole perspective on ministry. It changes our whole perspective on mission. It changes our whole perspective about what the kingdom of God is if we look at it like Jesus said it was. The kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God is like a field. The kingdom of God is like a, a, a going fishing. And all we got to do is say, come on. Go out there with, with, with something that we can go out there and talk to people and, 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 and allow them to feel like they're a part of it. Because see, here's the thing. All the way through the Bible, all the way through the New Testament, it was come and see. It was the invitation. Come and see this man that tells me all things. Come and see this man that does miracles. Come and see this man that all these kinds of things. That's our message. Come and see. And then the rest of it is on them. When they see, then they will believe. Amen? If they have an open and receptive heart, that's not on you. The come and see is on us. The see and believe is on them. So it's come and see, see and believe, believe and become. Because if they believe that Jesus Christ, okay, they've come and seen, they've seen and believed, and they know that this guy is who he says he is, and that he is God, Jesus Christ, in the flesh, okay, then you believe and become a part of whatever's going on. And then whenever you become a part, then you go out and start saying, come and see. Do you realize that's how simple the kingdom of God is? We just got to do our part. We got to get out there and say, hey, come and see. Come and hear about this guy. Come and, come and let me tell you about what I know. You might not know every scripture in that Bible. You might not know every theology point that somebody might ask you. But what you know is what he did for you. I know he saved me. I know he healed me. I know that I've got a place in heaven. Well, I can't see it. You can't see it. Hey, that's what faith is all about. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that we cannot see. And so ultimately, it comes down to this. That's how simple opening the doors of fellowship is. And we can't judge people on the outside. We've, we've got to let God take care of that. We've got, to, we've got to let God do a heart thing in them. One of the most heartbreaking things I ever ran into 
in all my time in church, there were two brothers that lived uh, where I lived up in Kentucky, where I was born and raised. There was this little town. It was called Bell City. And if you go up there, and it's right just about on the Kentucky and Tennessee line, and it, there's hardly anything left. There might be a road sign now that says Bell City. Don't even know about that. Hadn't been there in years. But at one time, it was a little thriving thing. They had a little pottery that was a pretty thriving business. Had two or three stores, and I think maybe a sawmill at one time. But anyway, just a little crossroad community. And there were these two brothers, Homer and Charlie. Not making it up, Homer and Charlie. And they lived in this old log cabin that you would think, man, this thing is just about ready to fall in. And Homer and Charlie would sit on the porch of this old log cabin. And I don't know if they had it, I don't know if they would, you know, lean over one of them and say, okay, one, two, three. But they would both wave at every car that came by in unison. It was like windshield wipers, you know. <laughs> one of them would be sitting here and the other one here, and they'd both wave, and it would be in unison. And everybody knew who Homer and Charlie were. I never talked to them for the longest of time. I just know that whenever you went by there, be ready to wave because they's fixing to wave at you. And Charlie died. Had a heart attack and died. Young guy. He wasn't probably 40, 45, 50 years old maybe. And Homer was kind of lost without him because they had always lived together. They were brothers. Had always, you know, I mean, he was just lost. So he moved to the next bigger town. It might have had 400 people in it. And Homer, the first day that he was there, he got ready to go to church because that's what they did. And he put on his best overalls. He had a striped pair. And now realize these guys were in that log cabin probably didn't even have running water. But Homer moved to this next bigger town, this next little crossroad community, and had a, had a place to live, and he went to church. And one of the deacons pulled him off to the side and told him, said, whenever you can get some better clothes, then you can come back. And when I heard about that, I'm telling you, it still gets me. And I'm thinking, how many times do we judge people? Yeah, I'm sure Homer wasn't clean, and I'm sure he probably smelled a little bit. But you know what? I think Jesus loved him. And I'll never forget that. That somebody who loved God was doing their very best to serve him got turned away because somebody thought that wasn't good enough. And you know what? I'd take a thousand homers. I'd take, I'd, I, honest to goodness, I think we go out of our way to try to separate ourselves from people that are seeking God. We find so many different ways. I mean, we get in arguments amongst ourselves in our own church. I'm not talking about in this body of believers. I'm talking about within the body of Christ about whether we're going to pour baptize or sprinkle baptize or immerse baptize. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? You've heard me say it a lot. I personally believe immersion is the, is the, the best representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But that's all it is, a representation. 
Baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. And if it is making your public profession by sprinkling, hey, come and talk to me and tell me that that's your heartfelt wish is to be baptized, we will go out there to the water fountain and take care of it right after church today. Amen? If you want to be poured, I will get a big, nice, cold glass of water. And that way you'll remember it. But I'm just teasing about the cold. I'm serious. Oh, my goodness. How many different ways can we think of to separate ourselves? I mean, uh, communion every Sunday, communion once a month, communion once a quarter. There are churches that throw down over that. There was one church that I know of one time that they had a knockdown, drag out, split the church over whether they were going to use wine or grape juice in communion. Oh, my Lord. Are you kidding? The meal that is supposed to bring us together. Help us to work out our differences. Help us to realize it's not about us. It's about all of us. And it's about Jesus most of all. I had a guy out of that church come and talk to me. And he said, I just really want to know what you think about it. And I said, you really want to know what I think about it? And he said, yes, I really want to know what you think. I said, so you're asking me what I think. He said, why do you keep repeating that? And I said, because I want you to know that you came to me. And I said, now what is wine? What happens to it? It's grape juice that some germs get in. And they eat all the sugar. And then they poop out alcohol. And I said, is that much of a representation of Jesus' blood? Well... If you put it that way, it's not. <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter. The, uh, what, what I believe versus what you believe, if we're doing what Jesus told us to do. I've known people that took communion with orange juice because they didn't have any grape juice in the refrigerator. And they felt like God led them to take communion with their family. Did you, do you think God honored that? Yes! Oh, my heavenly Father, there's people that make a a 10-page thesis on how orange juice could no way be a representation. But you know what? God's looking at the heart. And we strain at gnats about separating ourselves from one another. And, oh, well, we can't do it this way. We can't do it that way. So we're going to set our, and it all comes back to, we're going to set ourselves a city on a hill. And you've got to come through some big gates and pass all the check, you know, checkpoints and do this and do that. Hey, Jesus said, whosoever would believe. Now, everybody can't be normal and sane like us. <laughs> Great. That's the way we tend to look at it. Well, you're weird. You believe that? You're weird. Guess what? God loves us all, warts and all. And the thing that we've got to do is realize there's a time coming before this thing winds down that we're, it's not going to matter if you baptize by immersion or sprinkling. It's not going to matter if you've got on clean clothes or you might not have taken a shower the night before. What's going to matter is you believe in Jesus Christ. And heaven help us if we are on the wrong side of that. It has always been my heartfelt desire, and I can get really, really emotional about it. 
God wants everybody that will to come. And, you know, it's, it's, I heard a guy say it this one, one time, well, what about election versus, you know, free choice? And, 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 and he said, I don't know. He said, I don't know all there is to know about that. But he said, I know if I keep choosing them, God keeps electing them. <laughs> Amen. When we go out and talk to somebody in the highways and the hedges, and he said, go out and compel people to come in. Come and see. Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. He saved my soul. He healed me. You won't believe what he did. And I want you to come and know him too. Just like somebody, and I don't remember who even was the originator of this thing. But they said, I'm just a, I'm just a beggar telling another beggar where to find a piece of bread. Have you ever noticed if you go out to a good restaurant that you will talk? I mean, if there's a new restaurant that opens up and you go and it is just like, mm, 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 that's good. You can't help yourself but to go talk about it. Next day at work, you'll say, man, let me tell you, I had the best meal there was. Da, 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 da. Oh, where? Da, 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 da. And that's the way we ought to be about Jesus. Let me tell you about what happened to me. Let me tell you what God did for me. Again, you don't know somebody else's testimony. You don't know my testimony. You might know my testimony, but you can't tell it like it was yours. But the thing is, we've got we've to realize the, the doors of the kingdom of heaven are always open. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Somebody say amen. i got to look at my navigator over here. Ooh, ten tail. All right, we're going to start at least. The end, the first end in connecting is navigating by faith. This walk that we are walking, none of us knows it. We think we know sometimes. And we know ultimately it's going to end up that we're with Jesus. But between here and there, there's lots of bumps, lots of ditches, lots of creeks, lots of rivers, lots of mountains. And none of us knows exactly which way it's going to go. And the thing that we've got to do, I, I said this a few weeks ago. If we realize we don't know how to get where we're going. I use Miss, Miss Pauline and Johnny as an example. Miss Pauline, she, her, her eyesight has failed her. And so Mr. Johnny is her eyes. And... You'll hear him, he'll, he, as they're coming into, coming into the front of the church, he'll say, there's a step right here. And she'll, you can, she'll lift up that foot and start feeling for that first step up on that curb. And then he'll say, okay, we're going through the door. Pastor's right over here. And so she starts to hug. She doesn't even know where I'm at, and he'll kind of move her arms in the right direction. Of course, I'm hard to miss. But he is helping her through life. And that's exactly the way we are. We're walking by faith. And yes, we can see, but we are still blind. And so why would we choose? Why would we say, get your hands off me? What if, what if Miss Pauline said, Johnny, get your hands off me? Next thing that's going to happen, she's going to be laying flat on the floor. So why would we say to the one person who has said, I will always be with you. I am your guide through life. I am your counselor, your helper. 
Why would we tell him, get your hands off me. I'll do this my way. I lived a life that's full. You ever listen to the words to that song? I've traveled each and every byway. Oh, what's more, more than this. I did it my way. How many of the big stars sang that? And I, every time I hear that song, I'm like, oh, it just gives me the creeps. When we've got somebody that has said, I will be with you through thick and thin, and he doesn't thin out. I will guide you. When you cannot see, I will be your eyes. When you cannot feel, I'll, I'll be your touch. I'll be your everything. I will help you through life. When you can't remember a single scripture, I will bring to your remembrance whatsoever things Jesus said. Oh, my goodness gracious. How dare we not just, I mean, I'm just like, oh, just help me. <laughs> help me now. I mean, the more I'm in this, the more I realize that, uh, what I thought I used to know, I don't know. I, there is no telling. I, 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 maybe, I, may, I may take this week and just count them up how many times I said, Lord, help me. And I mean it. It's not just a byline. And so we are navigating through this thing. And sometimes we wonder, God, how, why did you let this happen? We came through a year when there's a lot of people that have said, God, how could you let this happen? In a lot of different ways. We had the Harvey flood. We had a sickness and illness and all these kinds of things. And just in the last month or so, I came across a quote. So this is not my quote, but it's going to be from now on. You know how that is. Whenever you say it the first time, you give the reference. And then the second time you said, I've said before, and you quote it. And then the, the next time it's like, I always say, you know. But the quote is from Spurgeon, and, he, and the quote is, God is too loving to be cruel. Too wise to make a mistake. So when we cannot see his hand, you must trust his heart. I'm going to say it one more time. God is too, too loving to be cruel. And this is kind of a paraphrase, but he's too loving to be cruel. He's too wise to make a mistake. So when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. And man, I'm telling you, it just rung my bell. How many times have we ever said, God, where are you? Where were you when this happened? All those kinds of things. Go back to the footprint poem. You know, the, the footprint poem is God in the toughest time in my life. I only see one set of footprints. That's when I was packing you. So what we've got to do is realize we are navigating by faith. And when we cannot see his hand, we've got to trust his heart. That he is always there. Always working on our behalf. Always our advocate. Always the one that's sitting at the right hand of the Father making petition for you and I. And I don't know if that gets you, but it gets me. Because in those times when we're saying, God, where are you? we got to realize his heart is always, always for us.